0: Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing today?
1: Uh doing okay, man. Doing okay. How about you?
0: Doing well. Uh, that hard to believe. Baseball season's over. Uh, that. Uh, what do you think? How, did you watch any of the World Series?
1: I watched a little bit, and I was just we just had a fire drill here because uh, of the school that we have, and uh, I was talking to one of our the guy that's in works for our uh, our church who was wearing his Cody Bellinger jersey and Dodgers hat. And uh, kind of gave him a thumbs down just because not a big Dodgers fan. But uh, it was good to see him win a championship after 32 years.
0: Yeah, I uh, I wasn't thrilled with uh, them you know, winning us. But uh, I will say that I really feel like I could really forgive their victory because, you know, they beat the Astros. And they kept the <laughs> Astros from going to the World Series, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess that that can be forgiven.
0: That definitely is a forgivable thing. So well, uh, that uh, once more you get another one of our awkward introductions, or segues into our topic for today because today we're going to be talking about a forgiveness that's more important than the kind of forgiveness that happens in baseball, right? Much, much more important. Even more important than like forgiving loans, right? So
1: it's amazing how often our intros tie to baseball and, and how how much baseball ties into the, you know, the stuff in life.
0: Yes, it does. So anyway, so how important is forgiveness for Christians, Ben?
1: Well, it's, you know, very, very vital and central to our faith.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. So yeah, it's our foundation. I mean, it's really forgiveness as a realization of the work of Christ on our behalf. Uh, so I think refusing forgiveness is actually kind of anti-gospel. And this is so central, like one of the most um, most prominent parables that people know about from Jesus, as you know, the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, uh, where it suggests, you know, if you've been forgiven by God and you don't forgive other people, uh, you ain't getting forgiven. You aren't truly forgiven by God. I mean, that's powerful. That shows how and, and- Go ahead. Yeah, well, and Jesus
1: says the same thing, um, not in the narrative form, but in the Sermon on the Mount. That you know, if you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. I mean, those words are kind of terrifying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now I want to ask, then, in light of that, what is forgiveness, Ben?
1: Who, that is a big question. I- I'm gonna just, I guess, try to describe some things about forgiveness. I don't know that I'm gonna land on this. Super precise thing, but it involves not counting, not counting someone's sin against that person, uh, not holding it over them, and it's not something that you just. Well, I'm not gonna deal with this now, but I may come back and pour out wrath on you. It's it's you're not gonna return to it. Um, but there's also a tie to payment um, or a, a right judgment against the wrongdoing um, that there's, you know, something the it's reckoned with. Uh, and, and there are times, especially before Christ came in which God overlooked sin, uh, but then I mean the death of Christ finally in his resurrection uh, gives final forgiveness in those but I mean Paul talks about that in Romans, how God overlooked yeah. um, those things. And so there there is a difference there, I would say. But I mean how would you you how would you nuance that definition?
0: Yeah, so I definitely see forgiveness as releasing someone from a personal debt. Like, that's consistently the idea. Even the the Greek word that we translate forgiveness in the New Testament is very much like a pardon—
1: are you talking about a fee? yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that very much carries the idea of uh, a legal pardon, and uh, really, so it's an unearned absolution, as uh, some have described it, that makes it as if the offense had never occurred. I mean, that's how significant forgiveness is. It, it treats it as if this event had ne- the offense had never occurred whatsoever, uh, which is powerful, right? Yes. But, and what does the Bible say about forgiveness, Ben?
1: Well, I mean, like we were talking about at the beginning, it's at the heart of biblically revealed religion and relating to God. I mean, once you get past the uh, Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, for our ongoing relation to God, there has to be uh, some kind of forgiveness for us to be accepted before God uh, to be able to have fellowship. And so you know, God is the one ultimately who forgives. And there, there's some examples in the Old Testament where certain words are only used of God's forgiveness towards his creatures made in his image. Um, there's some other terms, you know, where it's it can be used of other people. Again, it is central to, to what was going on in the sacrificial system, in the tabernacle, later the temple, and that the the ongoing ability of Israel to have a relationship with God rested on him, covering their sins and forgiving their sins. Uh, And then that's fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. And so the whole Bible is, is driving towards that. And some have been critical to say that, Presenting the gospel in those terms is truncating it. It's making it too small, and it's just about the the quote plan of salvation mm-hmm. or personal forgiveness. And I mean, I, I share some of those concerns if if it's just about you and your your quote personal relationship with Jesus. Um, but I don't want to just too quickly sweep that under the rug. I mean, it really is at the the foundation of of the gospel and uh, of what the Bible's about, why God gave us scripture, yeah. and why you know, God sent Christ into this world.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd add some Bible verses to this that, I mean, one of which, I mean, the most famous Bible verse uh, about forgiveness, like in terms of interpersonal forgiveness is Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think this is important to understand in light of the whole Bible's idea of forgiveness because uh, it says, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, a verse that I think we can look at and how God in Christ forgave us is Acts 3.19, uh were uh that's preaching a peter uh, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out so there's a clear connection in the bible or even our forgiveness always a subsequent of repentance that doesn't mean repentance earns forgiveness uh that uh but you know i in that act actually it's god working in us you know we're not god uh but you know there's always this act of of forgiveness is is a process forgiveness is an action that happens after repentance both in our salvation and in in our, our interpersonal relationships because we forgive as your father has forgiven you
1: And there's, I mean, I guess a way we could say it, there's a condition to forgiveness. Again, it's not earned, but there are conditions in place.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what is mercy then, Ben?
1: Mercy is withholding something that's deserved. Uh, It's like putting up a dam to hold back Mm -hmm. the waters, the floodwaters. Uh, And it can involve moving towards someone who's in a miserable state um, and seeking to meet that need. Uh, so it's related to forgiveness, but it's not the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask you the same thing. So, but yeah, they're definitely different, but what's interesting to me is I think mercy and forgiveness are often treated as if they're synonymous, a, and I think somewhat we've replaced the idea of mercy with a wrong idea of forgiveness. A mercy can certainly lead to forgiveness and is deeply important in the Christian life. So they're not, you know, distinctly different. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, mercy certainly, a uh, habit of mercy is going to lead someone to be willing to offer forgiveness when repentance happens, though. So. Mm. But is forgiveness mainly for the benefit of the person sinning or the person sinned against Then.
1: Well, I'm interested to hear what you're going to say about this. I mean, from my angle, the one who is forgiven enjoys the benefits of it more. At least they've, I mean, Jesus said, you know, the one who's been forgiven much loves much. Yeah. Um, they have much more to gain. Uh, the forgiver is absorbing the impact of the wrong. And so um, I guess from the way I'm looking at it, it is for the benefit of the one who. It, I mean, it's it's not a... I don't think it's a zero-sum gain. There is benefit on both sides, but um, the one who is receiving the forgiveness, I guess, stands to gain more. Yeah,
0: okay. Uh, I think that... It might seem an odd question, but some... Uh, listeners might not seem, because I think there's a perspective that, that is the opposite of what you presented it as. Uh, actually, Psychology Today, even, you know, which is a prominent psychology magazine, says it, it is actually for the benefit, forgiveness is for the benefit of the person that uh, was sinned against, first and foremost, that, I mean, they don't have the idea of sin. So, uh, And, they, and right. they actually say that helping the person that the offender is actually maybe an added benefit, but it doesn't even have to be there. Uh, Which is so against that biblical idea of forgiveness. Jesus' example of forgiveness actually legitimately, so when we see about his parable, the Unforgiving Sermon, his example actually meant someone was literally out a bunch of money and would probably never get it back. Which is hard to say that that is legitimately in their best interest. When they were being (laughs) out a bunch of money, never probably going to get it back. But we treat forgiveness as uh, about us sometimes. I, I think the reason why we can do that is because we sometimes don't like conflict, especially in America. And uh, I think real forgiveness is, is really scandalously hard. And comes from a, a very complex, uh, rigorous biblical idea of uh, interpersonal relationships. But I do think forgiveness may give the forgiver benefit. It, they're Clearly, could be. I mean, there are ways that restored relationships benefit the person that's offering for the forgiveness, but it necessarily will, it must, it has to benefit the offender. Mm.
1: Okay, yeah, and, and I can see that. You know, maybe it's tied some of the enlightenment and the, the turn to the subject. And I mean, we're just very self-focused in our our culture. Uh, and I, I don't know. Is it? I would say it's probably harder for us. It is harder for us to forgive than it is for God to forgive, in the sense of you know He's got omnipotent power. Yet it was very costly for Him to He gives up far more to forgive us than uh, we forgive. Yeah, or, or you know, than it cost us.
0: Absolutely. So. Why do people see forgiveness often today as merely letting go of a grudge? And I would say probably some studies seem to show the majority of people see it this way. Why do you think that might be the case?
1: Well, you know, I just mentioned the thing about enlightenment, our turn in on ourselves. And maybe deep down, there's a, I'm just guessing, there's a cultural tie to not liking God, punishing guilty people. Like we really just, it's like, what? Um, you know, if God is there, and God is—we know God's love—and so God wouldn't, you know, punish people because mm-hmm. that's mean and and nasty, and we don't like that. Um, and so, seeing forgiveness tied to the actual, um, it, it something being paid for and, and dealing with a wrong that you know, reckoning with that wrong. Um, I don't know, man. That's that's the best I got. What do you think? Yeah.
0: So I thought a lot about this one. And some of it, uh, there's a really excellent book by uh, a biblical counselor named Chris Braun. It's uh, Chris Braun's book, uh, Unpacking Forgiveness. And Chris Braun describes this as, therapeutic forgiveness, this idea of, you know, forgiveness is kind of mainly letting go of a grudge. And uh, based on my research, actually this perspective of forgiveness, this, you know, really me-centered forgiveness where it's not about uh, reconciliation that follows repentance, it it largely didn't exist at all until Carl, Carl Jung uh, Carl Jung uh, is a, was a secular psychiatrist, uh, psychologist rather, who emphasized self-awareness in his approach to psychology. And this idea, this focus on self-awareness of what he described as self-awareness is not necessarily what we might think of as, and when we think of self-awareness. But his mentality of that kind of really uh, led to towards this mentality of, of forgiveness, this understanding of forgiveness, that again, really, I mean, I did a lot of research and I, I see no evidence of any Christian holding to that perspective prior to that, uh, prior to Carl Jung and some of his disciples really pushing this mentality. Uh, and I think we actually have absorbed, uh, as American Christians, a great deal of humanism. Uh, And, uh, you know, on our worldview Sometimes in ways that we don't think about And that's, I think, why we have to approach the Bible As an ancient document Not necessarily written in our time uh, Not to say that it's irrelevant But to say that we often look at the Bible Through the lens of our culture's worldview And we have to fight against that Uh, And I think a lot of ways, too, I'll add I think we, especially as Americans Can be too individualistic For the fundamentally communal act Uh, of real reconciliation
1: i was having a conversation with a a friend in our church yesterday just about you know the the privatization of christian faith and it's just sort of like me and jesus um and not seeing that it is a the christian faith yes it you're and i mean i don't like to call it this but it is true you do have a personal relationship with the living god Mm -hmm. um but it's not just that. Like, Christianity is, is a very much a vertical thing, but it's also very much a horizontal yeah. thing. And when you're living life with sinners, you're going to get sinned against and sinned against, and it's going to require forgiveness.
0: Yeah. Well, can you forgive someone without them knowing you were upset with them, then? Because that's another, I think, cultural question for today.
1: Um, I'd say if we're viewing forgiveness as the way that God relates to it, then ultimately No. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to acknowledge our own responsibility for our sin and we have to lean on God's provision of of forgiveness and making things right in Jesus if, if we're going to receive his forgiveness and so there's no one who's forgiven before God who doesn't seek it yeah they don't, you know die and find out oh great God forgave me and so I guess the question is is our experience of horizontal forgiveness the same as as it is for God yeah and I mean maybe there's some, I mean, there's questions in theology about certain things, you know, God, the way God relates to things and the way we relate to things. Um, but I mean, I know kind of how you're going to go on this. So yeah. I'm, I haven't thought about it as much as you have either, but I can see why. That, yes, if, if, if we're thinking of it just like God does, then ultimately there's something else going on besides forgiveness if, if they're just unaware.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up because what God does, because I actually I think the idea that we have of this doctrine of forgiveness uh, today, like if we apply that to God, I think either we head towards a kind of universalism or, you know, God just forgives all offenses, uh, which is not true. I mean, that's I mean, people are people will go to hell, we believe, uh, sadly, or, you know, or you have a kind of, you know, a passive aggressive type of God, you know, who might forgive us today might, you know. Uh, accept us, like, you know, not be mad at us, but still, like, doesn't really reconcile in relationship with us, so, uh, which neither are healthy or or good, so, so I'd say absolutely you can't uh, forgive someone without them knowing they're upset with them, I I think that you can show mercy, and you must show mercy, you have to show mercy, uh, which we'll get into, but uh, forgiveness is always relational. And must come after repentance. And this is both with God and with individuals. It has to. So we can have a posture that is willing to offer forgiveness no matter what. And we should have a posture that's willing to offer forgiveness. But actually I think this shows why forgiveness is a really hard pill to swallow. Because the hardest part of forgiveness may be that you have to confront somebody who sinned against you. If you really want to forgive them. I mean that, that is hard. Not uh, Not comfortable. In our conflict-averse times, right?
1: Forgiveness
0: is is hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Very so, costly.
0: Yeah, well, that goes to the next question then, Ben. Can forgiveness be costly? And if it can be costly like this, why would we bother when they hurt us? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it clearly is and you, we brought these
1: passages up earlier, but Matthew six fifteen, the Sermon on the Mount, and then in Matthew eighteen, where Jesus is dealing with forgiving a sin against another brother or sister in Christ, he says we won't be forgiven ourselves if if we don't forgive. Uh, and I think ultimately what it means is if our if we're characterized by unforgiveness, then it mm-hmm. it shows that we really haven't. We, we really haven't taken in and absorbed what it is God has done for us. We haven't understood the gravity of our own sin and uh, the generosity that he has shown in Christ. And so uh, his forgiveness to us is supposed to remake our horizontal relationships uh, so that we extend the same thing that we've received. And, and so we absorb the impact of of the sin. I mean, like the, you were talking about that earlier— something you didn't you I, I use that term but you kind of flushed it out a little bit more um, but with you know that's what's been done for us it was while God has omnipotent power to forgive it also was very costly and for for, for father and son in um, making the provision for forgiveness and so um that's yeah. got to deeply affect us and I, I think if it really does take root in our hearts even if if it's we're not like, oh man, this is great. I get to extend forgiveness to someone. There's gonna be the Holy Spirit is using that to push us to go yes, but this is this is what you must do. Yeah, and even that there can be a joy in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just God's God's grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, and all of these good benefits that come to us they
0: remake us,
1: and, and so that's why we would bother.
0: Yeah. Before I I respond, I do actually want to add something that I didn't add earlier that I think is necessary when we look at forgiveness. Uh, I think when we think about the cost, and actually one cost could be related to forgiveness. This is not forgiveness, but the Bible actually does clearly teach that on little things, little offenses, and and I think in this it's probably thinking something where it wasn't intentional, uh, that we we should choose to overlook the offense. But that can be a, a cost and annoyance, you know, the person that, you know, Uh, You know, the person that uh, cut you off in traffic from your church that you probably wasn't paying attention or, you know, probably wasn't meaning anything ill will by it. You know, you can overlook that offense in some cases. And and even that is kind of a cost cost of the fact that you're just going to swallow it. You're not going to, you know, hold a grudge or anything like that about it. But... Uh, but it, for, but real forgiveness, though, can be extremely costly. A, a great illustration, actually, I think of, of one of the best ways I saw forgiveness when I was a young Christian was um, when I was in—I remember when I was uh, just—I think I just graduated high school, and I was at a different church than the one I was baptized in. And I uh, got there was a teen I know who uh, rear-ended. He was he was messing around in the parking lot. He rear-ended a guy from that church's car, uh, a, a member, a fairly wealthy member, and really, I basically totaled it. I mean, from messing around. And uh, and I found out because I knew the guy as well, and I ended up finding out through college that basically the guy who had his car hit. Uh, that he had every right to you know have this kid pay for everything you know have the kid indeed deep to what one might say but he actually he cho- the and the teen felt horrible he repented he, he didn't even have to call him out. he actually came and repented and the man whose car was totally, he actually paid for it himself. You know, he, uh, I think the teen didn't have insurance, uh, was one of the big issues. And so he, um, that, yeah, he actually absorbed the cost himself, which is really unbelievable and, and a huge cost. But I think that is exactly the kind of thing that forgiveness is. That doesn't mean that's always how that would work in that kind of situation, but that is a deeply biblical idea of the costliness of forgiveness. Uh, but one great cost that is always going to be the case is you don't get to bring it up when you've forgiven somebody. Mm. You you just don't. I, I think we have no right. We can't, especially if somebody might know the person involved. We, we don't get to. We have to drop it. Uh, and we don't get to gloat and gloat in the action or, you know, especially. Uh, or even in marriage, you know, it's easy to be like, you always do this kind of thing. Or remember that time you did that, even though you forg- even though you claim that you forgave your spouse. Uh, and I think that is hard. So we don't get to use an example or negative things like that. We just, we have to drop it when we've truly forgiven somebody. Uh, I think you're right.
1: Just to, real quick before you go on. Go I mean, forward. I think,
0: I don't know how, how
1: you would classify this, but I mean, sometimes when you're raising your children, you may forgive them for some, uh, something they've done, and it may even be a pattern of sin in their life. And so I think there are contexts in which it is okay that you bring it up as a point of instruction. So remember that this has happened, um, but you're not holding it over them. And, and, I mean, that can be a fine line. To walk, but I mean, would you agree, or you I would just think agree it's off the table?
0: I definitely would. I, I think it can be helpful for instructions. I think we can, but not as like I think so often, especially in marriages, or you know, even in things like we might use somebody we've claimed it forgiven. Uh, as a mark of like I endured, you know, to mm-hmm. other people, or or in marriages we might use it as like a you know a little a tit like a, a tit for tat type thing uh, in an right. argument. Oh, you know, you did this, you forget that you did this this one time, uh, and I think that clearly, absolutely, we cannot do uh, in that kind of way. So, but the and I, I'll add lastly that. Um, we must pay great costs in forgiveness because Jesus did when we deserve hell, just as you pointed out before. So forgiveness is costly, but we must do it because Jesus did it even more so than that for us. Yeah. Should a forgiven sinner then ever face consequences of any sort? Or do, should we have a system where, you know, somebody can, you know, be murdering a bunch of people and apologize and be off the hook constantly?
1: I mean I think there are are some in our society who would just about take that stance sometimes but
0: yeah.
1: um <laughs> that concerns me but yeah I think that it's legitimate um you can genuinely receive forgiveness from God or even I mean I was uh, I saw some something the other day I didn't read it, it was just sort of headline but it was pointing to uh, I forget the guy's name but this woman had shot and killed her Uh, brother or his brother and he you know hugged the lady and forgave her and you know he he, because he was a christian and um but it's still appropriate for that woman to face consequences because we're under different spheres of authority we're under god's authority uh, under parents authority the government school job you know all these different areas of um where we live and have responsibilities and obligations and so um the, the state is not authorized to forgive sins and uh, those kinds of things. The state's dealing with law and justice and parents, it's a little different, and um, the job and, and all those kinds of things. And so, yeah, it's yeah. still appropriate for someone to face consequences in, in, in various spheres.
0: Yeah, I so strongly agree with what you say. I mean, especially your point, I mean, the state can't forgive. Uh, And so, you know, we see like, I mean, God's institutions of the family, of the church and things like that are given the role of like God. They show mercy and they show justice. But when God created government, God didn't, I mean, frankly, in the Bible, didn't create government to show that kind of mercy. It created it to to show justice in various ways. I mean, justice can be an act of kindness. Uh, But as a result, the state just doesn't have the right to, God didn't give them the right to. Uh, Demonstrate that kind of forgiveness uh, that people Mm -hmm. can show. So, and and when we realize, I mean, like you brought up, I mean, that murder, you know, when we sin. By breaking a law, we have not just sinned against a person. If I, you know, if I rob your house, Ben, uh, I've not just sinned against you. I actually, by the American law, I've sinned against the United States. And so <laughs> the United States has to punish me and they can't forgive me for that. They have to give me justice in one way, shape or form. But I also will add beyond like this kind of legal stuff. Perhaps the greatest demonstration of repentance for somebody is actually giving up uh, some things to show that they're embracing consequences themselves. So, for example, you know maybe a uh, that a husband you know or a a teenager like listen to this. uh, Maybe a teenager has misbehaving on their smartphone and they're, they're sinning uh, through that uh, and they're you know violating what their parents have said. Maybe it's a demonstration in their repentance that they're willing to give up having a smartphone and have a dumb phone or a husband who you know looks at inappropriate stuff and sins against his wife in that way. so uh, and another or another act you know somebody that has sinned perhaps in a way that we are deeply bothered by against a child. Uh, that m- maybe eventually you know, or you know has some kind of reputation with that, uh, maybe eventually there's real restoration in a lot of ways, but their demonstration of repentance is that they are happy to not not serve in the nursery they're they're quite willing to not serve in these areas where people might be suspicious and have legitimate concerns but I yeah w-
1: very very good illustrations.
0: But I would I would hope that regardless the relationship can be as if the offense never occurred. And that's because that's forgiveness. And I think even in the case you know the brother the sisters uh, the woman whose brother was killed, like I think forgiveness legitimately means that uh, over time, maybe in the new heavens new earth, uh, hopefully in this life, the relationship can uh, be in such the case as if that sin had never happened.
1: Well, and I mean just an example of that, um, the missionaries that went to – like with Jim Elliott uh, that yeah. went to the Waorani uh, Indians in Ecuador. One of the l- ringleaders of killing them uh, was this guy named Menkaye. and over time Steve Saint, the son of Nate Saint, the pilot, um, he – I don't know if he called him father or something like that, but his children called this guy who killed their grandpa grandfather. Um, and I, I think that Menkaye came to the states and lived with the Saints for a while, and things like that. Um, and so, I mean, it was a remarkable example of forgiveness and, and and of rest restoration, you know. And that's it's clearly God's grace that accomplishes that. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Praise the Lord. So, well, uh, for those who don't repent, those who don't apologize, should we show them a great unbelievable wrath? from ourselves or should we show them mercy as christians
1: wrath sure comes easier yeah. uh, especially if it's a legitimate wrongdoing like they have sinned against us there's a sense of anger rising and going that is wrong and we tend to operate out of uh, those feelings and, and that sense uh, more than we operate out of grace even if we're conflict avoiders i'm much more that way um you're just naturally i think you know you don't mind dealing with it as much (laughs) even if you're a conflict avoider there's can be maybe you're passive aggressive and you're you're showing of wrath but uh we do show mercy we withhold we put that dam up um and not pour out what they deserve that's good
0: so uh, a Bible verse that really stuck out to me in this is, uh, I think, really showing about mercy. This isn't about forgiveness. Uh, Jesus says, uh, but I say to you who, who here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Uh, and so those who I think mistreat us, those who don't apologize, we should show mercy. We should show kindness. And we should even pray for them that we can forgive them. Because God uh, did all of this uh, wonderful things to us. I-, I will add another thing that we do in great love for them at times. If somebody sins against us, the Bible is very clear in Matthew 18. There are times where you go through uh, public rebuke with multiple people and even a church discipline for somebody who is not willing to repent of a sin. Which is indeed mercy and kindness. This isn't hate. Uh, but uh, that shouldn't be the end-all be-all of our relationships. I actually think in some sense, I, I think we've misdefined forgiveness today. But if we take that misdefinition of forgiveness, we should in some sense treat uh, these people that have sinned against us, that don't apologize, in what is wrongly called forgiveness. We should regard them in, in what is, I think, mis- misappropriately called forgiveness. Sure. So, well, how do we model and practice true forgiveness in our households, Ben?
1: That's that's a good question. That's probably one of the best places where it can be demonstrated and modeled. Um, I think we want to address wrongdoing or sin directly and seek forgiveness. So whether that's parents that have sinned against children, which will happen, um or teaching children to seek forgiveness when they have mm-hmm. done something wrong against, you know, you as the parent or against their sibling or against someone else outside your family but having to go to them and identify that they did this thing that was wrong, I, you know, I did it, I was responsible, not just like, well, sorry that happened or um, you know, I did this but you did this. That may be you may need to take care of that, but just taking personal responsibility for what was done wrong and then and directly seeking forgiveness.
0: Yeah, that's good. So in one area this, actually, I want to admit that my opinion has probably evolved even since we did the podcast uh, and and maybe perhaps in a sense that one might say I'm a bit hypocritical. Actually, one thing I've said and I think I've said in the past is I'm not necessarily a fan of people asking kids that are not regenerate to, to uh, pray. And, and I don't think that's biblical prayer, but I think we can teach them to even through kind of going through the ropes in that kind of way. And we can teach them about prayer through having family worship and asking everybody to pray. In the similar kind of way, uh, to a degree, I think we use this forgiveness language even before they fully get it. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that most three-, four-year-olds fully grasped uh, true forgiveness, as we talked about it, for example. <laughs> But right. I think it's a good thing that we ask, like, as a consistent thing, that when our kids sin against one another, for example, when we sin against our kids in the household, that uh, we ask them to, to say, I, you know, I'm sorry, I forgive you. We ask them to mean it, uh, but we can't control whether or not they mean it. And we try to seek some kind of reconciliation. But I think even using that language, to me, instills in them that that's an important value. Uh, but even more powerfully, I think you show your marital forgiveness in front of the kids, uh, mm-hmm. and and when you're in front of the kids, especially, don't withhold that kind of real forgiveness in marriage. You know, don't you're gonna sin uh, against your spouse in front of your kids if you're listening to this. I promise you, if you're married, I mean, it happens. <laughs> but when you show real, true forgiveness in that, like man, that is such an impact on on our household whole households. Um, And then I think also one other thing is encourage repentance and action. And that doesn't mean, like, I don't want a kind of legalism where, you know, you have to, you know, if uh, Johnny, not that destroys Susie's favorite toy, that he has to, you know, uh, learn to become a, uh, that learn to become an engineer and, and build her a new version of it. But, you know, talk with Johnny about what he can do to serve his sister to show that he's truly sorry. Uh, you know, and I think, that shows them the repentance is often something that has fruit. It doesn't mean repentance is an action, but it leads to action. Mm, That's good. And so how do we show our kids how and why we offer forgiveness?
1: Well, I mean, when they've sinned against us, um, you know, we do forgive them and we don't hold it over them. Like you were talking about earlier and we do it with our spouse and with other people because I mean, It's not very hard to conceive of a situation when someone has sinned against us from the outside of the family, and our kids hear us going on about that person and this and that. Um, But also, I mean, we point to God's forgiveness of us because of Christ and Remind them as we're forgiving them, um, and, and you know we have to bring up Christ a lot. Uh, Luther said that the gospel is a rare guest in our conscience. We just tend not to operate yeah. by those print the the truth of grace. We want to go by a law, and. Um, that's not how god relates to us and so just making that a refrain in your home um that that he's the basis of it and and even talk about how sometimes it could be hard for you to forgive Mm -hmm. uh, in general um and how we have to remember how generous god has been so whether your child's converted or not
0: yeah so those are good uh thoughts though I think teach them... Go back to that parable, you know... Jesus gives a forgiveness... And I think truly teach them the depth of what happened from... You know, it happens in the parable... Even, you know, there's cool things in the text that show like... The amount that uh, the, you know... Basically, the amount that the figure... That the first debtor was... The richer man was owed to the... Basically, the God figure... Was an absolutely absurd amount... And the amount that uh, the man that he ends up throwing in prison... Uh, Owes him was relatively small. Uh, And so, you know, I think that there's a beauty in that that shows us that, you know, God's forgiven us much. And so we don't have a lot to forgive other people for comparatively, compared to what God has forgiven us. I think we teach our kids Mm -hmm. that a lot. And I think we confront the secular lies about forgiveness, and apply. And I think we apply uh, those texts to real hypothetical insults that happen. Uh, and lastly, I'll say about this: uh, I think we should bring up ways that others have forgiven us when we repented. When we teach our kids, I, I don't think we should do it the opposite way. And, and you know, and part of this is you know maybe there's an Italian false sense of modesty. I'm not a fan of talking about myself. Uh, positively in these kind of ways, even the pulpit, for example. But uh, the but you shouldn't like. I think it's a good idea to bring up ways that you know when you messed up as mom and dad, and other people have forgiven you and shown how gracious that person was to you. I think that's a great way to uh, show our kids real repentance and forgiveness as a linked, trend a linked relationship that produces a, a restored relationship. Hmm. Uh, Next question that might seem odd to some listeners, but I think it's immensely important. How does seeing the beauty of reconciliation that only comes from true forgiveness, that doesn't come from the fake forgivenesses, how does that beauty of reconciliation impact the spiritual lives of the next generation? I think
1: it makes sturdier relationships that can withstand sinning and being sinned against um whether that's in just friendships, that's in uh, homes that they will establish, marriages with children uh, and in local churches uh, and with say, I mean, yeah, just outside um, because of the foundation of grace and that we can deal with these things and again, it, it it's not easy, uh, but it makes for a much richer, Friendship and much richer fellowship together, partnership in Christ. And I think the next generation really has is, is got to get a hold of this. Um, they really need it because, like we talked about, forgiveness has been recast in many ways, and Increasingly, younger generations, they're not able to deal with problems face-to-face. They may text about it or they may just go on some social media network and just blast a person, Um, but they don't go to someone and say, hey, you you did this wrong to me or – uh, something like that. I mean, it's just like a foreign concept. Uh, people break up with each other by text message. And,
0: um, <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, and so, I mean, just the ability to handle not just the positives of a relationship face-to-face, but to handle the negative stuff that's yeah. going to come when you deal with sinful people. And so I think that is going to be a, a big issue um, in the days ahead.
0: Yeah. I want to add, I think this real reconciliation that comes from only real forgiveness, this is exceedingly a rare thing. In our culture, maybe any culture, but it shows us the gospel means something. I I think the ordinary human, the lost response to, you know, when somebody has offended us is, you know, we either get passive aggressive about it or you know we uh, we ghost them in other ways and we drop from these relationships. We cancel them. Yeah, we cancel them. That's right, absolutely. Uh, but I think when this really happens, when we have relationships for where Christians are, even young people, are calling one another out on sin in love and really forgiving one another and and really embracing that forgiveness. This shows us the gospel means something, that it creates a community that's unlike anything that this world can offer. Uh, And I think it creates profound spiritual relationships that don't just get the passive aggressive. And I think that is so rare. But I've seen when I've seen it, man, that is such a beautiful thing. I, You know, at a church we went to in Louisville, I, I know so many cases where, you know, that was the norm, you know, when, you know, people had had times where, you know, some people would mess up because people are sinners and it would be addressed. But then real beautiful forgiveness would happen. And that is then that's going to set the world on fire for the gospel. Uh, and I think that they will more appreciate, when we, when we understand real reconciliation and real forgiveness, they will more appreciate and grasp the reconciliation that we have with God and how God truly relates to us as if we had never sinned because he wipes it away.
1: Uh, yeah, I love that. So,
0: Well, our last question is, how can our next generation ministries teach the benefits but differences between forgiveness and mercy?
1: Well, first, having a clear grasp of it ourselves, um, and just, I mean, I think the more that we become immersed in the gospel and what God has done for us, and and not to say that that's, you know, I mean, in some of the, quote, gospel-centered circles, it's—there can be, like, not any moving out from that. um, It can be very hard sometimes. um, But— as you grow deeper into it, uh, I think it it can help give perspective on those things. And as you're teaching, just in general, um, pointing it out, and I mean, because, uh, I mean, you're going to have the opportunity as you're teaching through the Bible to talk about uh, forgiveness and mercy, because it is such a, both are, are such prominent themes in scripture, and for God's own character, and then how he's you know, recreating us to live, and and just so many natural opportunities in application as you're trying to draw kids out and make connections from what you've have looked at in scripture, and uh, helping them to think through that in their own lives. Because I mean, chances are that day they got sinned against, um, or there, there's something happened that they should overlook and show mercy, or something that maybe they need to address. And so it's just. It, it's so much a part or a natural connection to their life that, um, I mean, if you're in the position of, of training leaders, yeah. um, helping them to see some of those things, so that then they can expand it out to mm-hmm. to the kids that they're ministering to, um, and maybe you're you're one of those. You're not really in charge of uh, training other leaders, but just making it a point and in, in with the the folks that you have a chance to minister to. Um, Drawing some of those connections, I mean, what would you add?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to answer by asking you a, a seemingly odd question that <laughs> uh, have you ever been to the restaurant steak and shake Ben? Uh, yes, it's been a long time, but a- have you ever had a, a burger, a, a hamburger there?
1: Uh, I think so.
0: You know the restaurant would say you haven't. So restaurant claims they don't have hamburgers. They have steak burgers, right, yeah. <laughs> on their menu. Yeah. Uh, this seems a weird little illustration. Uh, but uh, you know they call that uh, and they're many their hamburgers are are pretty good, I guess. Uh, but they call them steak burgers. They wrongly call them steak burgers for whatever <laughs> weird reason and uh, and I think that that's all well and good. I enjoy it. I take their steak burgers most days of the week. but like if I am introducing somebody you know who's not familiar you know with human cuisine you know or familiar with the meat, if I, I get take them to bee in there or something. I'm sorry.
1: You're taking a vegan. Yeah, if I take a
0: vegan in here, and you know he uh, that he goes into Steak and Shake. It's the first time being introduced to meat, and he asks, "I want a steak," uh, and they give him this hamburger. You know, the problem isn't then that and now, and he associates that now this is what a steak is. The problem isn't that what he's given isn't good. What he's given is absolutely good. But when they call it a steak, he's being deprived of something that's even better. Because a real steak, you know, a a New York strip steak or a ribeye is definitively better than a steak and shake hamburger. Uh, And so I think when we offer, when we call mercy forgiveness, it's not that we're not giving somebody a good thing. But it's that we are actually in itself depriving somebody of the possibility of the better thing that is real forgiveness. And so we must glorify both mercy and forgiveness, but we should exalt the harder act. The harder act of real forgiveness should be something that we make scandalously glorious. Uh, And even a way I think that we teach this is actually when we even do the Lord's Supper, I know a lot of churches that will, you know, uh, based I think on biblical teachings, will ask people to, basically a reconcile in relationships before they partake of the Lord's supper together. And, uh, and I think that it, it is beautiful. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. when we eat together, we should eat together as those who are truly unified, not those who have these, have these disagreements or we're just passive aggressively calling something forgiveness. And, uh, but, I actually really like, there's a great song by Andrew Peterson called I Want to Say I'm Sorry. Where he actually describes an event where he had sinned against a brother. And he was reminded of his sin against his brother when he uh, was going to communion. And he said, I, I want to sit beside you at the feast again and again. And, uh, and I just think when we look at the Lord's Supper as that communal meal for people that have truly been reconciled to God and to one another. And we bring that up over and over Man, we can really show the glory of true forgiveness.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good.
0: Well, I, I know this has uh, been probably a unique episode to some of our listeners, uh, and on something that I think is a lot of misunderstanding. But I hope that uh, I hope listeners are blessed by it, and thank you uh, for talking to me about this important subject, Ben.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you raised it. It was it's good for me to press on this more.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.